free. To those of you listening to us on the internet and to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, and to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning is the second reading for today, uh, recorded in Acts chapter 2. I recall just these words. God brought this man, Jesus, back to life. We are all witnesses to that. God used his power to give Jesus the highest position. Jesus has also received and has poured out the Holy Spirit as the Father has promised. And this is what you are seeing and hearing. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit is the only true God who is really there, my beloved. Imagine yourself for a moment in your mind's eye, all by yourself on a deserted corner in metropolitan city, USA. Huge city, you're all by yourself. And it's getting darker and you're lost. And besides all that, you forgot to bring your cell phone along. And it's getting darker and you're getting worried. And all of a sudden, a big car pulls up uh, to the curb right in front of you. And a person gets out dressed in a long black coat with a hood over his head. And comes walking towards you. And when he's about two feet away, you hear the words coming out of the hood. Hop in, I'll take you home. And then the person pulls down the hood and behold, it's your very best friend. In the case of us married people, that would either be your husband or your wife. So did I catch you off guard in that description? How did you feel at the beginning? You know, kind of worried, oh, what's going to happen to this person? And then uh, a feeling of relief and, oh, everything's going to be okay. For many people in our world, either because of ignorance, unbelief, or entrusting themselves to a false religion... God is a hooded stranger. And all those people, even though they don't want to talk about it and they never say anything, they're living their lives in fear. Because every day they always have to ask themselves the question, what's going to happen when I die? Now the words before us this morning are the second half of St. Peter's sermon on Pentecost. And you remember what happened on Pentecost. We reviewed it last week. The uh, sound of a tornado in the house, but the curtains weren't moving. And those little flames of fire on the heads of each one of the disciples. And then those guys who never had a university education all of a sudden are speaking in all these languages they never studied. We reviewed it last Sunday that that day of Pentecost really was a Thanksgiving day, a harvest for the harvest. And uh, it was one of those uh, major, three major uh, festivals. And all the Jewish people were supposed to return and take a pilgrimage from all around the world to be there for that particular day. And so there were 
perhaps even a million people packed into Jerusalem on that day. And so Peter was able to preach to an international audience that resulted in a worldwide harvest of believers. Or more simply put, for those confused people from all over the world, Peter took God's hood off. And by the Holy Scriptures, he revealed to them who the true God is. Well, who is that one and only true God that Peter revealed? Why? None other that I just mentioned to the kids, the triune God, the Holy Trinity. As Peter said, God brought this man, Jesus, back to life. We are all witnesses to that. God used his power to give Jesus the highest position. Jesus has also received and pour out the Holy Spirit as the Father had promised. And this is what you're seeing and hearing. You notice the Trinity in there? Now, you and I know who the triune God, the Trinity is, but we want to, on this special festival of the Holy Trinity, review his personhood. Because each one of us, and you got to admit it, are prone to the sin of idolatry. And that means putting someone else in the place of God. And the primary sin of all of mankind is self-worship or selfishness. Now, I think I've told you that before. That's the very first sin that is displayed by a newborn infant. Well, I want my diapers changed. Well, I want to eat, and I don't care if you're sleeping, Mom. Get in here. It's a sin that we have to fight against all our entire lives. And all of us are tempted because of our sinful nature to say, I want the most, I want to be first, I come first, I'm number one. And then God steps in and he says, wait a second, wait a second, I want to be the first love of your life. I'm a jealous God. Fear and love God before all things. And so this morning we listen to Peter review the personhood of the triune God so that we can always, regarding our God, see him more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly. When we review who the true God is, perhaps we should begin by saying that when you take a look at the true God versus all the other false gods, man-made gods of the world, God, the true God, stands out with three distinctive attributes. All man-made gods, did you ever think about this? All the ones made up, concocted in human minds are one of two kind. They're either gods who are almighty or they're gods who are personal and not almighty. Allah, Buddha, what is that? Some great God way out there, rules over all things, but you really don't know what the guy's thinking, or girl. And then there are the, 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 uh, the personal gods that people have concocted throughout the cultures like the Roman gods of, Roman, of Jupiter, Venus, Mars. Gods with human qualities, but they're not almighty. The true God is both almighty and personal. The true God created the whole universe in six solar days. The true God also entered our world as a sweaty, blue-collar carpenter 
who suffered all of our pains and all of our problems so that when we pray to him and bring him all of our worries, he can answer, I know how it is. I've been there. Secondly, all man-made gods are either singular or they're plural. Allah, Brahma, Buddha, whoever he's out there, uh, that's, that's the God. He stands all by himself. Other religions have a whole catalog listing of gods. The ancient Egyptians had a god for everything, the sun god, the moon god, the bird god, star gods, all of them. The true god is both singular and plural at the same time. That's why we call the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit triune. That's a manufactured name that we came up with, three in one. You know, you, you can't figure it out. Talk to the kids about a trillion. That really doesn't explain it. Talk about a shamrock. That doesn't explain it. Because they have three separate persons. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. But the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. God says, I am one plus one plus one equals one. And it doesn't calculate logically. But God says, that's okay. When you come to me, you think theologically. And just believe what I say. And thirdly, all man-made religions uh, are based on the job concept. You know, you go to work, and after a week, you get a paycheck. You go to work, if, you, if the boss pays you uh, two weeks, then you get a paycheck. Don't go to work, don't get a paycheck. Work a little extra overtime, time and a half. Every religion with the exception of biblical Christianity, says that you must do something in order to get into God's good graces. And the true God comes along and says, everything has been done by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Eternal life, not your effort. Eternal life, a gift of God's grace. So there you have it. The three distinguishing attributes that separate the true God, the God of the Bible, from all other gods, almighty and personal, singular and plural. And everything that he gives to you is a free gift. But let's also spend a little time looking at each one of the individual persons of the triune God, the Father, then the Son, then the Holy Spirit. God the Father, the one that we attribute uh, to creation, creating everything in six solar days, let there be and there was. The one who continues to provide for us day after day. You might say that the world has built into itself a self-creating process. Plant one kernel of corn, up pops, I don't know how many hundred on two ears of corn. The world is self-propagating. And God promises to us that seed time and harvest and coal and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease until he brings it to an end. God the Father also is the one who sent his Son. Peter said in his sermon, Jesus from Nazareth was a man whom God brought to your attention. Uh, you know that through this man God worked miracles, did amazing things, and gave signs by using men who don't acknowledge Moses' teachings. You crucified Jesus, who was given over to death by a plan that God had determined in advance. God the Father sent his Son. 
how time flies. Memorial Day is already two weeks ago. How can that possibly be? On Memorial Day, remember what we remember? All the men and women who did not return, who died. Now, I've got a couple relatives that have uh, kids in the armed forces. And I guess until you have a kid in the armed forces and you have to send the kid away, you really don't know how that feels. But even more so, think of the pain the parents suffered when years ago or with telegraphs or today by emails or a visit or a knock at the door or a letter, we regret to inform you that your son or your daughter died in battle. Who can ever describe that pain? And sometimes we take a look at the triune God and we totally eliminate all emotions from him. The Bible says that God gets angry. The Bible says that God loves. Those are emotions. What did God the Father feel when he sent his son into the world knowing that he was going to die? And why on earth did he do it? Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God the Father, your Father and mine, sent his son so that we might be called sons and daughters, children of the heavenly Father, members of his family. And just exactly then, what does that make God's son? Why, that makes him our brother. What did our brother do for us? He became our substitute. Now, just for a moment, let's talk about a very undesirable uh, topic, the topic of capital punishment. We don't know if that's going to continue in our United States or not. It has been our history in, in the past. You know, uh, guys who, uh, ladies who committed uh, most heinous crimes that you don't even want to talk about, had their lives taken from them by lethal injection. Years back, the gas chamber. Or even before that, the rope. Capital punishment is reserved for those committing the worst of crimes. Who of us would ever be willing, let's say uh, 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 capital punishment was legal here in Wisconsin, calling up Governor Walker and saying, Governor... I'd like to take the place of the criminal on death row number 176897. Please put me to death in his place so that he can go free. You'd say, what are you, freak? But that's exactly what Jesus did. The innocent one willing to die for the guilty. Isaiah says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, our brother and our substitute. And on that first Pentecost, some of the listeners made fun of the disciples. They said, ah, well, this is all gibberish. You know, these guys are drunk. But Peter corrected them with the words before us. God used his power to give Jesus the highest position. 
Jesus has also received and poured out the Holy Spirit as the Father promised. The sound of the wind, the flames of fire, the foreign languages that they never studied, all miracles of the Holy Spirit. Of course, we know that wasn't the only miracle that the Holy Spirit ever did was on Pentecost. For 16 centuries, the Holy Spirit inspired men to write the very words of God in Holy Scripture. So that every time you open up and look at every page in the Bible, it's God speaking to you through those words that the Holy Spirit inspired. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is given to us by the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit. But the crowning point on Pentecost was how the church expanded from 120 to 3,000 just like that through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working. Do you have any disabilities? Uh, I have one minor one. Fortunately, I don't have to use hearing aids yet. But I always have to use these glasses because otherwise I can't see. A little bit of a disability. How would you think it could possibly be if, if a person was to, born to be deaf and blind at the same time? You know the story of Helen Keller. How in the world could that young girl have ever begun to learn when you're both deaf and blind at birth? When you and I are born, we are born spiritually deaf and blind. As Luther says, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, nor come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts. For most of us, that happened in our infancy. Little water splashed on the head in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden there's an explosion of faith in your heart. Shattering the darkness, allowing us to see and hear and cling to our Savior. That's why we call the Holy Spirit sometimes the comforter, the counselor, or the helper, because the Holy Spirit helps us to do something that we can't do on our own that's come to faith and remain in faith. The hood of God has been removed. Isn't that wonderful for us that he's no longer a stranger, but our very best friend? And that's why we have peace with God and the comfort of his love. Thanks be to God that by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Scripture, God's hood has been removed. We can see him now. Who is he? Why, he's our very best friend, but he's a whole lot more than that. He's our father and our brother and our comforter. He's family. And so whenever the problems and the pains and the sorrows of life leave you feeling all alone, then just hop in. Hop into the love of his open arms, and he'll take you all the way home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith this morning in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.